Hey, I'm Rob Rigo. And I'm Joe Barton. And welcome to Excuse Me History. This is our podcast where we discuss people, places, and events in history. And we ask... It's Kumi. It's a history podcast. It's for everyone. Well, maybe not for people researching their doctoral thesis, but it's a fun read uh, and you'll enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, this is going to be a fun general overview of a historic topic. Uh, we don't go too much into the weeds, but, you know, we just want to spend some time. We're going to explore some different events, some different people, and we just want to understand the context of what happened, you know, what it must have meant to the people who were involved in those, uh, these particular incidents, uh, and just, you know, talk about the, you know, the historic significance. Uh, as for who we are, I'm Rob Rigo. I am a comedian and military pilot. I'm from New Jersey originally. Uh, we met in Virginia. I used to be stationed down there, and then uh, we both live in New York City now. Yeah, uh, and uh, of the two of us, uh, I'm Joe Barton, uh, and uh, I'm kind of the the guy who has the more of the history background. I've worked in a few different museums, uh, currently working at the Ellis Island Museum of Immigration. Uh, we also just want to start off this uh, podcast by apologizing. Uh, this project we've been working on for a little while now. Uh, the first few episodes are going to be a little uh, backdated, uh, and this particular first episode is going to be on good old Tommy Jefferson, and we recorded this one about a year ago, uh, but we're going to catch up fast and we're, we're going to be releasing an episode a month. Uh, the quality of this intro, not the best, uh, because one of us is currently in an undisclosed location in Southeast Asia. And uh, we would love to hear your feedback. Uh, if there's a topic you want us to cover or uh, if you like the podcast or if you just want to hurt our feelings, just <laughs> you can reach us at excusemehistory at gmail.com and uh, we'll get back to you right away. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. be doing thomas jefferson tommy j tj tj good t jizzle t jizzle tommy jizzle uh what like what like let's what are we going to talk about today with with thomas jefferson uh so we're uh we're going to talk a lot we're going to talk about the declaration of independence he wrote it uh and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh the election of 1800 he won that uh spoiler (laughs) (laughs) i I was about to watch that one (laughs) It's it's a good one. Uh yeah, we'll talk about those and just some what 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 does Jefferson mean to America? Yeah. And yeah, what's his why why do we remember him? Why, do, you, do you like Tom? Do you I, like him? I do. Okay. Um it's weird. So I, well, I'm from Virginia originally. Yeah. Uh, and he is very I mean, I, I would say that Thomas Jefferson on a on a national scale, his legacy has been in like a pretty downward trajectory the last 30 years he's because of the slave thing definitely this the slave thing is the it's the thing that people have the hardest time getting over and i understand that uh but in virginia i mean just because he's from virginia there's uva there's all that stuff he still has a very uh i I think he still gets like a higher level of respect in virginia than he does in other places sure but even when i grew up uh, growing up there i wasn't super interested in jefferson i was more in the civil war virginia stuff but i I kind of grew to admire jefferson uh in in spite of all the (laughs) 
the slave stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about. Like, we will talk about the, it. some of the slave stuff. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a. You should talk about it. It's. It happened. It's. It's part of it. I think it. You had to understand Jefferson. You have to understand slavery and what role that really played in his life. Yes. Is there a difference between slavery, like you know, in colonial America, versus like slavery in the rest of? history because there's always been slaves and usually it maybe wasn't as racially charged and it wasn't racially we it actually became more racial after slavery ended right so an interesting one of the books that i read for this podcast was uh uh one i would recommend it's the hemmingses of monticello by annette gordon reed uh it's about the the family the hemmings family uh jefferson his uh most likely the uh his slave mistress if we want to call her that sally hemmings um the book uh, kind of talks about uh, makes the point to say that American chattel slavery is is almost a, is a very unique system. Uh, yeah. When you do, and she, and she made the point, she says this, and I don't, I don't know if I entirely agree with it, but she makes the point that it is the worst um, form of slavery that ever existed. Really. Partially based on the the way that it was passed down through generations, because that's a thing that if you look through history, even with slavery, it's not necessarily if you're born this you know the child of a slave, it's not always the case that you will be a slave. But in American slavery, that is a, a, a one of the defining factors of it. So enslaving children, yeah, that's that sounds uh, kind well, of brutal. Well, one of the laws that they create um, very early on <clears throat> is your status is not. Uh, your the status of your father it's the status of your mother so that that creates a whole you know issue of uh white fathers fathering or white men fathering wait sorry sorry the status of your what does it say so like the child who was born yeah their status as free or slave is dependent on the status of the mother so if the mother is a slave oh, okay, uh, and okay, the father okay, is okay. A, a free black man or white man uh it would the they inherit the status of the mother, so that is <clears throat> creates the uh, a situation where you get a lot of white slave owners having sex with their slaves because that's available to them, and I, you can also talk about how it's part of the perpetuation of violence and slavery and sure. reminding this group of people that you know they are controlled. Um, yeah. So, so, but I mean, but yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, the, the reason I brought that up is because there is uh, that is that's interesting that it was the most brutal, or people consider it the most brutal form of slavery. Because in the past, it's always there's always been slaves. It was who the the country you won, you took the their people and you enslaved them and sure. you use them for free labor. I mean, well, there's always also that that counter argument. It's usually used by more, uh, I would say, racist people who yeah, are like, yeah, yeah. well, Africans were being sold by other Africans, so that makes it all right. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it doesn't. But no, we no. like trick them <laughs> to know, selling like, their own people. Yeah, uh, that that's a thing. But, that 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 always bothers me when I I hear stuff like that. Yeah, but in response to Thomas Jefferson, sure. and 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 just in a lot of things that are happening, where you know we find this one character that we use that is uh, immortalized through history. Uh, they, be, just, they, be, they literally become marble men. Yeah, exactly. We want to take that down, and we want to stop that. Uh, uh, whatever. So. And that happens, like just with like the statues coming down and all that kind of stuff uh, in America. 
But at the same time, it's like if you're going to go back in history and take down formerly considered great people and, you know, take them down for being like a, a, a racist or a slave owner or a misogynist or something like that. It's a lot. It's everywhere. It's a lot of people. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, there's it is where where do, where do we draw the line? Where yeah, does yeah. it end? I mean, there are some people who are like, maybe we don't have monuments anymore because someone's going to find a problem sure. with something. I mean, and I mean, on, it's that whole thing. I mean, what are people in the future going to? Say you know what? What are they going to look back yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah. our time and say that we were doing that's uh, horrible, yeah, just yeah. as horrible as slavery or and anything else that we uh, find objectionable today? But the statues is a whole other thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, we want to we want to humanize Jefferson because he was a man uh, mm-hmm. and he was a man of his times. So I think it's important to understand you know the era in which he lived and slavery in, in particular. I mean, it's just so hard for us to even fathom what that's like to live in that kind of society why don't you paint a picture of like what jefferson like what was when he grew up when he was a kid so he, he was born in kind of what was the the frontier or what then was the frontier of virginia it's now like charlottesville yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh the son of a kind of modest uh but slightly well-to-do family uh okay. his father married up his mother was uh wealthier and uh he his father inherited a lot of slaves from his mother I think one of the more interesting things is Jefferson's earliest memory is being handed to a slave on a pillow uh, to be carried on a horse. So that, uh, he's They're traveling from one place to another, and the slave is holding him, sitting on a pillow, riding a horse. Okay. That's his earliest memory. Do you have, do you have any idea, like, how many, uh, population-wise, what was, like... Uh, so this time, Williamsburg is the capital of... Virginia. Virginia, yep. Yeah. And the largest city in Virginia is actually Norfolk, right? I think at the time it still would have been Williamsburg. It might it might be Norfolk, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the it, I know the the slave population the at least percentage wise it was oh, it was almost fifty fifty black white in Williamsburg. Yeah. So as I was reading about you know uh, Williamsburg and they were talking about Duke of Gloucester Street and I'm like oh I've drank there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, how much bigger did it get from Jefferson? So Virginia is the largest colony. Williamsburg is the largest city. Uh-huh. Um, it's funny though. I mean Je- Jefferson never really liked Williamsburg. Uh, he goes to college at William and yeah, Mary. Yep. Uh, but he, I think he finds Williamsburg, even for the time, it, even, even though it was in Virginia, the largest city, it was still kind of uh, a, a little kind of bland. A little bland. I mean, he hates the architecture. He did, yeah. Uh, that was boring. There's the Wren building is uh, probably the most famous building on the, the campus of William and Mary. And uh-huh. He thought it looked really shitty. Yep. <laughs> he almost builds UVA kind of to spite William and yeah, Mary. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he likes Williamsburg. It is the most cosmopolitan city at that point that he had ever been to. But other cities, particularly Paris, I think he much prefers to <laughs> Williamsburg. Of course, but he de- he loved Virginia. He loved his his father loved it. He always you know had a strong. Affinity. Well, he considered. I, I do think he considered himself to be a Virginian. Yes, first and foremost, I think. Uh, you know, there's a debate. I think one of the interesting kind of hypotheticals with Jefferson is. If uh, had he been alive, or had there been a civil war earlier, um, and in his lifetime, and it happened similarly to the way the civil war did, where Virginia secedes, would Jefferson go with Virginia? And historians are kind of split on the issue. <laughs> um, I I, I kind of go both ways because it's hard to. I mean, maybe it depends on what point in Jefferson's life. I think you can say that. Yeah. I mean, his views change over time, and. It, at the end of his life, you you can kind of tell he's. I think he's leaning more in that direction. Where he, I think he's kind of he doesn't like the direction America is going in. And I think that if this, it's the, brand new, he just, <laughs> he just, it's like ten years. In. 
Well, it's funny. I mean, it's like these guys, like him and Adams, they were responsible for the revolution. And then 20 years later, they're like, oh, shit, that's not what we wanted. Yeah. That's like, the problem with this country ruining the country. Like it's, right. like, it's like we just we just made it. Like and, kids these days trying to build roads and infrastructure. <laughs> if you were a Virginian at the time, what is what does a person think about uh, another state? How, what is their relationship with um, with, um a, with a state like Virginia and then a state like next to them? Do they look at those people as like is like a different country or is it like like today we would look at you know Canadians as someone from Maryland a Canadian to that to them? That's a good question. Uh, yeah. Certainly, there was more uh, just because you're you're so isolated. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, for them, I mean, your 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 community, your town, or whatever village you would live in. I mean, that I think you would probably identify with even more so. But yeah, I, I think the way I mean, they're viewing the way Virginians would view people from Massachusetts. I mean, they're uh, they're just trading partners. Okay. Um, different founders kind of view it differently. There's some who are more nationalistic who want a more centralized federal government yeah the federalists uh adams and hamilton in particular but there are a lot who uh, of the republicans in particular who are wanting they, they take more i think identity uh in their their state but you know, even uh there's definitely you can tell in those early years that the regional alliances i mean they're they're worried that what's going to happen is if uh if they don't form a st- strong federal government that different states will break off and form kind of smaller yes. alliances. Uh, it's not a necessarily a given that they're all going to be the same country, all the states. Yeah. And I mean, that, I think that's something relevant today. I mean, can Amer- a country as large and diverse as America exist as one, one unit? Is that I mean, is oh, that yeah, possible? Yeah. I think I think I think most of us talk about that idea, but we don't mm-hmm. actually consider it. We don't actually believe it could be. A couple countries, even though it feels like a couple countries, but I mean, but that's not what the the state of the world is. You know, just because we're uh, we have differences doesn't make us like not the same country or whatever. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah, definitely in the the aftermath of the Civil War and really after World War II, America really forms its national identity. Yeah. Uh, but before that, yeah, I think they did. I mean, individual states, if they didn't identify with that state as their home. Certainly took. I mean, there was there were definitely more distinct regional differences at that time. But yeah, let's see. So Jefferson, he uh, he grows up. His father dies fairly young. Yep. Uh, he's he gets educated at William and Mary. He learns uh, from a man named George With, uh, who I think is a yep. kind of an interesting figure. He's the first, uh, basically, first law professor in colonial America, and he teaches both Jefferson and John Marshall. Uh, who will later become the, probably the most important Supreme Court justice or chief justice in the early years of the court. Was Jefferson a chief justice? Jefferson, Jefferson was not a chief justice. Yeah, yeah. Jefferson hated John Marshall and he hated kind of his influence of the Supreme Court. They were cousins. I think when you read about this era or any American history in general, is you, you in the past, I mean, there was just less people and there's so many just personal connections and Particularly in this time period when you're, you're learning about the founders, because, I mean, they really were elite men. I mean, it's very few what we call common men who are founding fathers. Most of them are yes come from very well-established families yep. and are very wealthy, uh, and they're all related to each other. <laughs> Do you think Jefferson was one of the greatest people or minds of the of 
that generation? Was he like a Leonardo da Vinci type character? Is there someone that is like Thomas Jefferson today? Or is he just, you know, a right time, right place kind of guy? And he was very smart and he just happened to be in a, in a, in a position for greatness. Or is he like some kind of supernatural kind of thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I, I would say is I, he, he's, he is brilliant. Without the revolution, he still could be, I mean, he's just a fascinating per- I mean, he's an inventor. He's yep. A, he's a farmer. He's a scientist. He's a philosopher. I mean, he he was. I mean, he could speak uh, at least five languages. Yep. I, I mean, uh, or read them at least. He truly was just a a unique man. Um, and I think the, a lot of uh, several of the founding fathers, and then just kind of that that generation. Just in, I mean, in general, I mean, they are a good group of brilliant men. Yeah. Um, but I mean, certainly, I mean, yeah. If the, if is the, like is it? I, I wonder when I'm reading about all these people and like the founding fathers, because some of them are just like so hardworking they're so smart they're so just like capable in mm-hmm. this one moment that is is required for capable men um i mean well it, it, they they certainly had ambitions yeah. uh, i think adam adams is is an interesting guy cuz he i mean in his letters you can see why he's leaning towards the the patriot cause because he sees that as a way to move up he can't i mean it, he's never going to be uh, an elected member of parliament Okay. Uh, he's a you know a, a colonial commoner, yeah. Uh, and the only way for him to really find you know what he, I mean, he I mean Adams is just a very ambitious person, and, and I mean he's kind of a pompous asshole, but I, he I mean he sees himself as being you know he, uh, an important figure, and he sees the revolution as a way to accomplish that. I mean I think he obviously uh, believed in American liberty as well, but it, it helped that you know he wanted to be something great. Okay, uh, but w- w- the, I think the question of why who is Jefferson today? Well, I, I just think people like Jefferson don't get in politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean they were elite men um, yeah. who were part of like a very uh, wealthy wealthy class of people, and I mean those people don't usually get in politics anymore. I think after the democratization of America led it made politics dirty, and rich people who have lots of leisure time who and devote themselves to being, you know, brilliant people. Yeah, just they don't get involved in politics. Yeah, you think the heroes of the world are are doing real like that's not the work for them, you know. Yeah. And I mean, and we don't want to just say glorify everything the founders did. No, no, no. They, they 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 are certainly brilliant and what they did was, I mean, it is incredible. Uh, yeah. When you read it like that there's so many revolutions and some people would argue that the American revolution really isn't a revolution. If it is, it's a very conservative revolution because if you look at what happens in France or Russia or China, when there are these revolutions, millions of people die. uh, And our revolution is fairly bloodless. uh, And like, I mean, a couple or a few thousand Americans die and there is, you know, divisions between loyalists and patriots, but it's not, not compared to the French revolution that comes after. Oh man. Oh Lord, <laughs> which Jefferson Jefferson witnesses the beginning of it, and he thinks it's great. He's like, "Oh yeah." They... <laughs> <laughs> I think Jefferson's funny because he he really likes he likes the idea of revolution, but he's I not... mean, who doesn't like revolt? Is is a fun yeah. uh, like youthful thing? It's not necessarily the smartest, and you might not have uh, the reasons, and it's. But oh, and you can definitely and, and the rational uh, diplomacy and and response is is way 
uh, smarter. It's it's a better way to do it, but it's also not as fun as yeah. Uh, let's tear some shit down. Let's tear man. some shit down. Let's throw some bricks through windows. <laughs> Uh, but Jefferson never does that. He likes that other people do that. No, but, but he likes he likes the feeling of like you know standing up for something that he feels is so is like a, a moral or yeah he's an idealist uh, yeah he, uh, and I think he he really truly believes in the, the revolutionary ideas of in the Declaration. I mean, it's about listing grievances and reasons yep. to separate from Britain, and I, I mean he uh, he he's able to uh, interpret that better than anybody else at that time. Yep. So um, yeah, so so I read um, the book that I mostly read was Thomas Jefferson: A Strange Case of Mistaken Identity by Alf J. Mapp Jr., which is who names their child <laughs> Alf. Uh, but it was really good. It was a really good book, and and I loved it. Uh, uh, or the parts that I read of it. Uh, I'm a slow <laughs> reader, and this is a podcast for people who are also slow readers. Um, yeah, you don't have to read. You just listen to us. Yeah, and it's like listen to someone else. Who's just slow. like I was. I was uh, this guy, Alf J. Alf, Mr. Alf J. Map. Um, he was very. He's a huge uh, Tom Jefferson historian, and he studied in uh, William and Mary. Uh, and he felt a very he felt uh, this close connection with Jefferson because he studied at the same school where he did. And then uh, Alf J. Mapp also teaches at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, oh. Virginia, which I studied at. You did. So it's like he's passing the torch, Thomas <laughs> Jefferson, down to this unnamed, currently unnamed podcast. And boy, has the torch grown dim. <laughs> we are burning the end of the candle here. All right. So what I read, wax I, all over my hands. Yeah, there's a lot of wax. Um, For different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just. Um, all right. We said jizz in the first. Uh, Is that the first time Jefferson and jizz has been mentioned in the same sentence? Uh, Maybe on a podcast. No, he he would write to Adams, and he would just be like, uh, you know how like you get. Is there a way? Do you know any way to get jizz off parchment? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, some like uh, some apple cider vinegar. Or apple cider vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh wait, here, here. Let, about, let me tell you what I know about him first, and then you could take it from there because sure. you have way more to to go with it. Yeah, this I had a, a bit of an unfair advantage of this one. But, yep. uh <laughs> No, I, I don't. Li I like I like being smarter. So. <laughs> I enjoy, I I really enjoyed uh, learning about this guy, and I do feel like I'm like, holy shit, uh, this guy was. You know, clearly cable, right? You know, not we're not talking necessarily about morality here, but this dude was something special. I can never, you know, achieve the you know the heights that he did and some of the things he pursued. Um, but yeah, so he's born in Charlottesville, Virginia. He gets a little older. His dad dies, and then he begs one of his uh, his uh, guardians to like, hey, I want to go to school because I'm going to be smarty pants. And he goes to school. Um, he's close with his sister, uh, one sister who ends up dying later. And then at school, oh, she died. <laughs> she died. Yeah. He was very sad. Oh, that was so. So I had to say this. Uh, I, I I wanted to do that joke last night, but so I worked in a museum, and it is very weird to like talk to children about history because you don't quite know what their level of understanding is until you start talking to them. Yeah. But then like you realize, oh, you don't realize that everyone we're talking about is dead right now. Like, I, oh. like when I'm like, hey, Pocahontas, they're like, what happened to Pocahontas? I'm like, she died 400 years ago. Yeah. And then they get sad. It's like, I just killed Pocahontas for these children. Oh, son of a bitch, Joe. <laughs> I know. You're killing everyone. She was, she was just still uh, <laughs> just in that movie for them. Yeah. That, was the, that was forever. They could hold on to that, but I killed her. Okay. <laughs> it's well, like a Schrodinger's Pocahontas. <laughs> Schrodinger. 
Uh, so he, uh, so he studied in, then he goes to William and Mary and he studies and he takes a long time studying and he's a good student. He's like training. Uh, and he, and he had, he had friends that he would go out to like bars with. So he was like a normal person for the most part. Yeah. But he's, he's interesting because he, he's bookish, but like, yeah, he does. You can see why he becomes great is because unlike these other guys who are off drinking, like he, he, he he enjoys it, but like really he wants to learn. He's a nerd with social skills, which is like what, why that's like great. I mean, there are people, I, I don't think it's good to diagnose people from the past with, you know, diseases or disorders, but I mean, there are those who, who have argued that Jefferson might have been somewhere on the autistic spectrum oh yeah probably i i have a hard time i mean it's 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 hard to imagine that like i mean i mean he he is kind of a strange person and he's not a, particularly in with people he's not he's not the best orator he's not no. uh, at least when you first meet him that's how people often would say he's kind of awkward but as you get to know him he's very yep. talkative so but, it, I, I, but anyways but yeah he is uh he's he's certainly different than most of the people he's associating with yes. in, in college but he's like so so he's like so he's drinking at you know duke on duke of street in Dog, Dog street pub Dog street pub and He's also having like dinners at this time with like George With and so, the governor as yeah, the well. Go- governor Governor Farquhar. Farquhar, he loves that guy. Yeah, him, it was, so it was him, uh, Farquhar, uh, George With. There's another guy named William Small, who's yeah. William Small. We go, is uh, one of his mentor. He, he he, I think he says that he changed the course of his life. He's a William Small was a, a Scottish Enlightenment professor at William and Mary. Oh, really? Uh, but they were all part of this kind of social group that would meet at the base of the governor's palace and yeah. have these fucking three course dinner yeah playing violin and just conversation about like you know higher class stuff and i mean it seems like how smart are are a lot of people smart at at this time is there like a percentage of the population that is doing that or is it a very small percentage oh for sure i mean like jefferson is rare in that he's educated um it's a little rare to that he wasn't uh even for his class a lot of them would have sent their children to england to be educated or somewhere in europe so it's interesting that he was educated in virginia but i mean when he is before he gets to william and mary he has a a lot of difficulty because i mean there are no schools you have to find a guy who's a teacher and then like he i think the first teacher he has he just fucking hates as his real asshole teacher who he can't uh, and then he's like begging to like find an, uh, another teacher yeah he, i think he does at some point but it is it's just such a weird thing it's part of the reason why later in his life he becomes a proponent of public education yep and uh and but i mean like it feels very it because it, it is it's very british the way uh like the, the classism looks like like if you have you know what school did you go to what's uh, who are the people like what is your status and yeah. like your status is is everything uh, so he takes five years to get through law school and law school at the time is just like, Hey, uh, you could study, you could study at home if you want. You just got to go yeah. past the bar. I mean, I, yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> really they're just studying like what, English common law yep. and just legal precedents, yep, and- legal precedent, certain philosophies. Uh, but I mean, so five years, even for like the higher court that he, uh, I, I forget the name of the, the, it's like the county court and the other one. Five years is a long time even for that. So uh, and then, like his friend Patrick Henry, who's this, you know, loud, just very. Uh, I wouldn't good. call them friends; they are acquaintances. <laughs> they, yeah, he considered them friends at the really? at before before school. Uh, and, oh, okay. and 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 he saw Patrick Henry when he first when they first that the first Stamp Act uh, resolutions. So they get the the orders for the Stamp Act, and uh, Virginia's like, "Oh, we're not paying extra for 
playing cards or whatever. And uh, so they have this resolution where they're going to, the House of Burgesses, which Patrick Henry is on, Thomas Jefferson is not, who he's still studying, even though, you know, Patrick Henry just walked in and got the, like, almost the same age. Yeah. And so they're deciding whether they write this letter. And I love how English and passive aggressive, like, the resolutions are. It's like a couple pages of just like, uh, your highness in England, uh, we find you to be the greatest and we wish you a long life and heaven will be yours. Even and, the declaration and, is very polite. Yeah, it's yeah. like, hey man, like, you know, we asked really nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then the last, the last line is like, but, uh, and we find us, and it's like so subtle. It's like just us, the free people of Virginia, continue to worship you. Like, <laughs> but they said free people of Virginia, yeah. you, fu- you revolutionists. Like, so uh, Patrick Henry, brand new dude, he wasn't like it was noted that he wasn't dressed well, but it actually kind of looked like, um, like it was a contrast to like the the powder wigs and kind of stuff like that. So he was just in this black garment, and he like took the floor as a brand new uh, member of the House of Burgesses. And he just argued for the resolution, and he maybe not, not even felt so passionately about it, but he wanted to kind of make a name for himself or kind of just kind of yeah. I mean, he's an he's, an he's an opportunist. I think yeah. that, that's the thing about the revolution is that th- there are guys who are able to use their natural talents. Like, I mean, Patrick Henry is a great orator, and Jefferson is a, Jefferson is not. I think Jefferson's always jealous that Patrick Henry just kind of gets by yeah, yeah, yeah. on his like. He's a dude. He's skills. a dude who shows up and is just like you know giving shit right away. Yeah. You know? It's like it's like you go do it's like going to an open mic and you know you write for days yep. this perfectly prepared set and then this other asshole just gets up and does crowd work for five minutes and crushes and it. crushes it yeah so that's Patrick Henry and so um, he does that and then Thomas Jefferson finally gets on the House of Burgesses he becomes a lawyer uh, he starts practicing he's there when the House of Burgesses so they so the governor uh, House of Burgesses just interesting fact oldest. Uh, still continuing governing body in America. I thought it's not called. It's called. It's not called something else. It's now. not called that anymore. So it goes back to 1619. Yeah, it's yeah. called the. It's now the the Virginia General Assembly. General and, Assembly uh, yeah. The House of Delegates, or excuse me, the House Bird, of It's now called the House of Delegates. Yeah. Uh, is the lower house, yep. but it goes back to 1619. Nice. Almost 400. Next year will be 400. Wow. Years old. We should go celebrate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. So he he gets on that, and then like right after he joins. Farquaad was a, uh, which sounds like Farquaad. Like he sounds like oh, a Disney, a, Di- a Disney antagonist. I'm pretty sure that was the, wasn't that the name of the villain in Trek? Farquaad. Oh yeah, a- it sounds like that. Yeah, it's that guy. So that's what he looked like. And then he joins, and then, but he was only a lieutenant governor, uh, and he's dismissed. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of times, what'll happen is there will be a royal governor, but he doesn't want to go to he Virginia. Wanna, so yeah, he's, so he'll appoint a lieutenant governor, and he does like the actual. He's drinking in London. Right now. He doesn't want to go to <laughs> collecting the, the woods. <laughs> yeah. Collecting those those playing card checks, <laughs> um, and it, well, I actually also think like the revolution is, is like, or just all these re- um, resolutions that they had uh, leading up to the revolution about trying to you know repeal all these like stamp acts, all this taxation without representation. It feels kind of like they're like being divas about it, you sure. know, like and it's like it's so funny because like there's other countries right now who want to like some kind of freedom or want to revolt against their government. And it's like they're trying, they're revolting against like genocide. And we're like, we're not paying six cents for stamps, you motherfuckers. <laughs> and like, so they, they, re- <laughs> yeah, I mean, like stuff like, like the Boston Tea Party is a very, like, we, white gonna, privilege. Yeah. I mean, we're just going to, like, oh, you're going to charge us extra for tea? Well, we'll throw in the fucking ocean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's also. I think it's interesting that American American is a coffee culture. We're very petty. Oh yeah, yeah because of that. Yeah. We are, we we don't fuck with tea. Yep. I, we, I, we're I starting new. We're getting. We got, <laughs> I got some green tea. If it was oh, the herbal. Yep. 
the the Boston kombucha party. Is that a, <laughs> I don't even know how to say that. I, never, I haven't had kombucha. It's I don't know what it is. It's like a fermented a, uh, taint water. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever had kava? Kava? No. That's like a really. It just tastes like dirt water, but it it's like a kombucha. That's what it is. Kombucha. <laughs> kombucha. Kava, yeah, it's like dirt water, Kambucha. but it kind of gets Kambucha. you a little high. It's like tea, but I don't know. It's, what? It's, it's weird. Like I, I don't know. They're it's legal. Uh, they're kava, go to a kava bar. <laughs> go to your local kava bar. Uh, <laughs> Drink some dirt water tea that'll kind of get you high. What uh, what kind of tea was that? That's a uh, ayahuasca tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It's gonna be a long day. Uh, <laughs> I just want to mention this. It's this is kind of rumor that Jefferson smoked weed because he mentions uh, he grows hemp. He he did mention it in his in his uh, first and second rap album. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, T Jefferson, T Jefferson, T Jefferson. Uh, but yeah, T-Jibble. it's uh, sorry. Jefferson is a very interesting guy. I don't. Some people think think that he might have smoked marijuana or you know, cannabis. Uh, and I mean, obviously, he was a, a great wine lover. He drank a lot of wine, but also he probably watered down his wine, and also he drank really tiny glasses. Like their their wine glasses were really small back then. That's cute. It was hard to get drunk. <laughs> That's why I mean, well, they most people were drunk though. I think Jefferson stands out as being a Virginian who's not constantly drunk uh, at the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> what about like uh, when like uh, Continental Congress? Philadelphia, were they were any of them a little uh, boozing, a little sipping uh, some I'm whiskey sure and the tea? I'm sure they would have been. I, I think one of the other, when they moved the capital to D.C. after after the Constitution and all that, they uh, D.C. is just like nothing. There's nothing. It's like just a few houses. There's a yeah. few taverns. Well, Annapolis is a thing. Yeah, I mean, there 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 are cities close by, but D.C. itself is it literally is just a swamp. Uh, and then there's not enough. All the members of Congress, they all live together. And they wanted to drain the swamp. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't get to it. <laughs> uh, maybe Ameri- a- maybe America- <laughs> uh, yeah, but they all live in the same boarding houses because there's yeah. not enough room for them to all rent individual apartments. So uh-huh. they share rooms. So like all members of Congress basically were ro- roommates with each uh-huh. other. Uh, but they and they would all like eat and drink together and shit. Was Air Force One like a uh, horse and buggy? <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite presidential stories. The only, I think, the only president to have ever been convicted of a crime while in office was Ulysses S. Grant, and he got caught speeding uh, in D.C. on his carriage. <laughs> got ticketed. Slow it down. <laughs> hey, man, you're going 20 miles an hour. You could kill hundreds of people. <laughs> Jefferson, he gets uh, notoriety for a, a pamphlet he writes called A Summary View of Rights of British America, a Declaration of Grievances Against the King. And he writes that. And I think, you know, Jefferson, he always strikes people as being very early on as being a very talented writer. Like when he's in uh, the House of Burgesses, he very rarely speaks. He's a really quiet guy. Uh, But everybody recognizes that there's something brilliant about this guy and particularly about his writing. Yes. And the thing he writes, it gets him national attention, but also uh, Britain, it basically is a, he gets put on a watch, like a watch list. Nice. Um, after that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he gets, so he has to use Bitcoin to pay everything. <laughs> yeah. Selling his tobacco on the dark web. <laughs> uh, but uh, so he writes that and then the revolution starts. I mean, it's, it's really Virginia and Massachusetts. Uh, you could, there, yeah. there are things going on in the other states, but they're the, the most important kind of dramatic events happen in Massachusetts and Virginia. The, the first early battles of the revolution happened in both. And it's why those, when they get to the 
Continental Congress, those are the the representatives who are more likely to advocate for liberty. Yeah. Um, why? So uh, real quick, why? Uh, I, I'm, there's, I'm sure real reasons for this. So why is Virginia and uh, Massachusetts like the biggest places in the world or in the in the America right now? Both Massachusetts and Virginia, they're essentially the first two colonies. Uh, Virginia is 1607, Jamestown, okay. and then Massachusetts, 1620 uh, uh, with Plymouth. and then. Uh, but Massachusetts becomes great be- uh, because it's a, a great uh, trading port, uh-huh. uh, Boston in particular. Okay. And then Virginia, just because it's the first, and it becomes a huge tobacco colony, essentially. Okay. Um, so it's making money from there. And- it's making money from that. Uh, New England, New England. Be- I mean, Massachusetts is a big, uh, they're... Uh, shipping a lot of fish. There's a big fisheries. Okay. That's they do fit, some whaling up there. A little bit of whaling, stuff like that. And they're exporting a lot of stuff to Britain, uh, which is why, I mean, they don't, one of the reasons they are against taxes and tariffs is because it hurts their economy. Sure. I mean, they're a export, import-based economy. What about uh, people? Like, why do you think, uh, why, did they, why do they have more people, like, just from, like, why did, did people, like, when they were coming over to the to America, after it was discovered, why are they coming? Like, we're like, hey, let's go to Virginia. The original Jamestown colony, it's a is a purely money-making venture. Yeah. Uh, They're coming over to look for gold, uh, and they realize there's no gold here. So then a guy named John Rolfe brings over tobacco. He steals tobacco seeds from somewhere in the Caribbean and then brings them. There is native tobacco, but it's no good. Uh, nobody, People in England didn't like it. But anyway, so he starts growing uh, tobacco. Uh, that takes off. Uh, and then... Basically, tobacco economy grows in Virginia. It people start moving over, particularly in Virginia after the English Civil War. Uh, so Virginia during the English Civil War supported the king. That's the Magna Carta one, right? The, that's not the Magna Carta one. That's not the Magna. That's Carta. the uh, English Civil War. <laughs> it's after that, uh, yeah, it's basically what happens is oh, it's Cromwell. Is Cromwell, yes. boy, Cromwell. Yeah, uh, yeah, good old Ollie Croms. Uh, he he becomes Lord Protector of England, uh, but the He's part of the parliamentary forces. The Royalists uh, are also the Cavaliers. Uh, that's why the Virginia Cavaliers. Okay. Uh, they Virginia most of the Cleveland actually. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they moved. Uh, uh, <laughs> so they're Cavaliers. They're the member, the people who supported the king, uh, and he grant. Uh, they were granted a lot of land in Virginia. Uh, but people just come because it's uh, it presents opportunity. So if you're particularly if you're say the second or third son of a landowner yeah. in England, you're not going to inherit that much. Uh, and so unless you your real only option is either join the military and make a name for yourself doing that, uh-huh. or come to America because there's room for advancement. Yeah, yeah. In Virginia, what ends up happening is a few uh, less than a hundred families end up owning most of the land. Yeah. Basically, just because uh, if you were able to pay for your way to get to Virginia, uh, they would just give you a bunch of land. Because some, I mean, they were importing lots of uh, indentured servants. But if you could actually buy your own way, they're just going to give you land because they needed people to come over. And then that land gets concentrated in a few families. Part of Je- what Jeff- These are the Native Americans giving us land. Right? <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> they were like, hey, there's all this unused land yeah. that. Could- oh, you can tell you. Yeah, go ahead and use that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not my, my light. It's not, not where I live, you know? <laughs> but Je- my family's not here. Jefferson uh, is really. Uh, he One of the things he's trying to do, uh, both in the Virginia legislature uh, and then later on when uh, after the revolution, is he's trying to change a lot of these what we call uh, primogeniture laws. 
basically the the oldest son inherits land yeah. uh, or all the possessions and they uh because there's one law that basically said that because the estate is inherited by the oldest son the the father has no right to sell any of it yeah uh so all this land basically these tobacco planters they're always debt because tobacco will rob the soil of nutrients and then you always have to find more land so they're always buying land on credit so they uh, have like thousands of acres of land. They're not rotating their crops they're with not lima beans. No, they're not. <laughs> I think I get uh, some lima beans in there. Gotta get some lima beans. <laughs> some nutrients. Some, some lentils. <laughs> uh, so they they accrue all this land that becomes worthless. So they're land rich and cash poor. And then they can't sell the land because it's against the law. Uh, so Jefferson actually one of the his, old Virginia shuffle. <laughs> he, he's he wants to change a lot of those laws. Uh, uh, not something he's super known for. But anyway, so the Continental Congress forms. Uh, he's going to be in the second Continental Congress. Yeah. And that's going to start in 75 and last basically through the duration of the war. Uh, he replaces a guy named Peyton Randolph. He yep. was the president of the Congress. Uh, and he got sick and died basically right when he got back to Virginia. Uh, but Jefferson replaces him. And kind of, again, establishes himself as a kind of quiet but smart guy. And basically by 1776, after uh, several battles, you know, Lexington and Concord, uh, there's a uh, lesser known battle in Virginia uh, called, uh, that happened in Virginia Beach. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's sad that they're fighting on the beach. Such yeah. a such a nice beach. <laughs> Um, it's a battleful town center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By 1776, they're starting to move towards uh, separation from England, and they form a, a five-man committee. Jefferson is one of the five men uh, on this committee. It's uh, Adams, John Adams, Ben Franklin, Jefferson, and two other guys who... I feel like I should know the names of, but I forget right now because they're a lot less famous. Uh, so, so what is so what was the leading up to the Continental Congress? So, uh, House of Burgesses is is uh, the governor, the royal governor who comes to Virginia. Yeah, Dunmore. ends that. Um, he now, bur- he burns Norfolk. Uh, that's a that's yeah. a that's a real big reason. Um, he he also so there's a there's an argument to be made that one of the reasons why Virginia, at least in the South, kind of leads the patriot cause is because there's the fear that the either the the governor or the king is going to use slaves against the colonial government that they would try to incite some sort of slave rebellion or just free the slaves and use uh, as army I guess armies against. Uh, to, I guess, suppress the rebellion. So there's this idea that, like, so the Second Amendment, one of the things that the gov- the governor of Virginia tries to do is seize the public arms, the armory in Williamsburg. He wants to take the uh, the weapons away so the militia can't use it. Yeah. And the that's, like, a big... A really big reason why the Second Amendment is in the Constitution. Oh wow! Not I don't want to get too much into it, but it's not really about personal arms; it's about public arms. Yes, uh, and the gov and the government trying to prevent that from being used by the militia. Uh, and <clears throat> so, for, uh, but yeah, so the governor uh, Dunmore, yeah, he burns Norfolk uh, and start, really sets for, kind of that's the kind of the point of no return for Virginia, and they kind of pass a resolution saying that Virginia supports um, the separation from England. 
Okay, so they 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 sent past that re- revolution, um, and then they start communicating with the other states. Right? They're like, "Hey, this is what yeah. we're doing." Massachusetts, is like, "Yeah, we're doing that too." All the other le- I mean, states with less educated people are like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> like New Jersey's like, "All right, whatever." <laughs> like, "Yeah, we'll do it." When do they start meeting up? When do they start? You know, uh, yeah. When do they start hanging out? <laughs> well, I mean, the the Congress has been there. I mean, been in Philadelphia and and since I think seventeen seventy four. Four, the first one yeah uh and then it's i mean it's just a year of them kind of i mean they they write uh the the uh olive branch accord i think it's called it basically uh again just a list of grievances to the king basically saying hey you know you haven't been treating us right but you know we're gonna overlook some stuff you know uh-huh. i still love you you know yeah yeah maybe just plain know. it's <laughs> and uh and then the king just kind of ignores it you know he, he just won't I, it's part of that thing of if he acknowledges it, then he feels like he loses power and control. Uh-huh. And so uh, kind of just progresses. And again, these battles like Lexington and Concord start to, I mean, for the people who are on that Patriot side, you know, they're already convinced, you know, true uh, British troops are occupying our cities and have burned our cities and have fought our militia. I mean, we might as well be separate at this point. Like it's, we've passed the point of no return. And yeah. it, it is just this process of them trying to convince the, the more moderate and conservative delegates. Hey, you know, like get with us, yo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah. So Thomas Jefferson goes to the continental second continental Congress mm-hmm. uh, and his, his role right now is what? Well, he, I mean, he's on a couple of committees, but I mean, it's just a Congress and they're, they're trying to determine like what the course of the war is going to be. Uh, that's really what, uh, after the declaration, what the Congress becomes is basically a, for the, the junta to basically an apparatus to fund and control the military. Gotcha. And so, but yeah, Jefferson, he's, uh, he doesn't really do that much in the Congress, uh, until he's placed on the, the declaration, will become the declaration committee. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's him, the, the three more, the what, the, what, the what, the The declaration committee, the declaration, what is that? The declaration committee. Yeah. yeah, What's the, uh, the declaration? What is it? The declaration of independence. Yeah. Is that a, I think I, I think I've heard of that. Was that in a Nicolas Cage movie? Yeah, he. Uh, I think he tries to steal it. Oh, okay. Um, did he ever? Did he ever get it? I think. Yeah. There's a. There's a note on the back <laughs> that I think Jefferson wanted Nick Cage to to read. I love Nick Cage. I've. I've just been hundred percent not a bit. I, right. I. He's one of my favorite actors. I lo- I lo- <laughs> he's a fun, fun guy. Do you have a favorite Nick Cage movie? What is my favorite? Um, I like adaptation a lot. That's a good one. Okay. I, I feel like there's another one I'm forgetting, but I, I like. I like me some crazy Nick Cage. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, all right. So he's he writes this little piece of paper, the Declaration. People are like, "Yeah, it's good." Yeah. He so he well, they're in this committee, he, and uh, he's chosen one just because he's the best writer. Yeah. Adams also. Adams is just kind of an asshole. I mean, people don't. Some people really like Adams, but a lot of people just fucking hate him because he's loud and obnoxious, and he's obviously the kind of the leader of the uh, independence movement. Uh, but he thinks that Jefferson. Uh, would be more received if if he writes it. Yeah, yeah, because uh, he's a Virginian or a commoner. He's a or, he's a he's or, a Virginian. He's a, not a commoner, but he's but just being from Virginia, you seem like the North was like the elitist, kind of like how they're viewed today. But if you get like a guy from the country, yeah, it's like and he's writing this thing. It's like his he's like you know stand this image of the guy standing out on his farm that he worked hard on, and like he wants just to just to be free. Sure. So. Uh, yeah, and he. Uh, so add that he basically is the unanimous choice uh, to write it, and he, he doesn't take long. Writes it over a couple of days, and 
how long does it take you to work on a new bit, Joe? Oh God. <laughs> I don't even work on old bits. Yeah, yeah. And how how <laughs> how, uh, how old is he at this time? How old? Uh, he's uh, I think he's mid thirties. I don't know the exact age. Yeah, but yeah. He, yeah. He's his thirties. Yeah. His thirties. Um, God, I'm fucking twenty. I'll be twenty eight this year. Yeah, yeah. He's writing the declaration. I mean, and he, you haven't even wrote a new ten minutes. Uh, yeah, so he, he writes it. It's edited a couple times in the committee. I think it's the third draft that they choose. Um, and- By that paperclip in Microsoft Word? <laughs> yeah. Did he write it in Word or did, did he... he- uh- <laughs> With uh, what's the notepad. what's the shitty what's the notepad. shitty notepad? Yeah, <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> did he download some free software? Yeah, um, yeah. Google Drive. He, what was it one of the one of the interesting edits? Was uh, he writes the first draft? He it's a we hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable, uh-huh. uh, and then Franklin suggests that you should change it to we hold these truths to be self evident. Yeah, that was an interesting. I think who's the smartest dude at the Continental Congress? I, I mean, Franklin is just probably. I mean, Franklin's like a Da Vinci kind of guy too. Yeah, and and that that point, I mean, he's very old. Like he's much older than anybody yes. else there. Uh, and they at first they kind of don't super trust him because he's been in England for so long. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, even though he is often referred to as like the first American, but he had been, I think, at least spent uh, probably like the last ten years before the revolution in England. He's actually not like early on in the Congress is not like a very ardent. Not ardently for uh, separation, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then he uh, kind of is swayed eventually. Uh, but yeah, he—I mean, he's—he's he's probably uh, it, slightly more fascinating than Jefferson, just because he—he's more fun than Jefferson. Sure, he's, he's like a it reminds me of like Winston Churchill a little bit, just like a little yeah. bit more brash. Or yeah, I mean, he's—I mean, you know, Jefferson is a genius, but like you know, he is kind of awkward. But like yeah. everybody loves Franklin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Franklin's drinking. I mean, Ad, the Adams hates Franklin, mo- or not necessarily <laughs> then, but when both of them are in France after they're both uh, he's, ambassadors. He's a Pennsylvania guy. Uh, yeah, Philly. well, he's born in Boston, but he he becomes a Philly guy. A Philly guy. Philly, Philly is the largest city in the country at the time, right? Yeah, by the time of the revolution, it it's the yeah largest kind of most cosmopolitan. New yeah. York, New York, kind of. I I forgot what point New York surpasses it, but is yeah New York City. Philly was great, and then they started eating cheesesteaks. Yeah, and, and that cheese was, is that cheese. They just like hey, we got this sandwich. <laughs> fucking Philly. Like, well, well the- it's like they got rid of all the British chatter. Isn't that crazy that at one point Philadelphia was the place to be? This. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, they weren't always burning cars. <laughs> yeah. when How many carriages did they flip over after yeah. they won the war? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great sketch. Just like, you know, like Philly fans after the Continental or like after the revolution. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You, they do. We're drinking Bush beer all night. <laughs> One of the funny things about the early uh or the our early government is they move a lot. It's not. I mean, it's been our yeah, government's yeah. been in Washington for 200 years now. But they were moving it all the time because they people get fucking pissed at them. People didn't like laws that they were passing, oh, so man. they would just have to skip town and go to like another city. How and- funny if DC would they would just move like the government, <laughs> like all of DC is just that. Oh, let's pick it up and go, guys. <laughs> oh man, um, they do Amazon. Like they look for another headquarters <laughs> for, like, for America. Okay. We're looking at uh, we're looking at Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> And Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh boy! Oh god! Uh, be cold. <laughs> they put forward the revolu- the uh, declaration, uh, and the in front of the Congress. They edited a couple times as well. And what happens is, so we celebrate 
Fourth of July as Independence Day. Yes. Um, it was not why. I mean, basically, why we celebrate the fourth is because that's the day it was announced, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the declaration, the literal declaration, is July second. And John Adams, for the rest of his life, will resent that because he thinks he's the one who, like, calls for the declaration uh, or the separation in the Congress on July 2nd. Yeah. And then forever, Jefferson is recognized as the author of the declaration and its associate or our, uh, we associate the 4th of July as Independence Day. Yep. And Adams just fucking hates it. Adams is he's just, a petty guy. He's a very petty guy. I mean, he's very he's very smart, and uh, there's a lot to like about Adams. But he's just jealous of literally everyone who is more well liked than he is, and that's most people. <laughs> yeah. How much uh, was Jefferson liked? Uh, I, Did anyone hate him, or was it like a sure? I, definitely, definitely after the revolution, I would say I, it's not so many people during the revolution, but as the the party system starts to develop he becomes a, a very almost like a, a, the antichrist um the, i mean the federalists just hate him they call him a, a heathen and a, a heretic and all that so anyway so they they declare independence uh on the 2nd and it goes to the printers and is announced to the public on July 4th uh and they don't even i think one of the funny things is that there's a famous painting of the signing of the declaration which never happened um, basically, they the delegates just sign it over a series of weeks. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think it's till August that they all do. I think John. I think is the the thing. I think John Hancock is the last person who signs it, and he's the one who signs it the biggest on top. I might be wrong about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he he did sign it the biggest, and then Jefferson very quickly goes back to Virginia. He doesn't stick around because he he kind of sees he he has not really interested in the military aspect of the revolution. He, yeah. Uh, just wants to get back to I mean, because he sees what's going on in Virginia. They're making a new constitution and he wants to be a part of that. He think, I think he thinks that's more important than the actual war itself. Really? Because I mean, I think he just he's not a military guy. And I think he, he knows that he, he wants to be present because he's a Virginian. He does. He wants to uh, have a say in the new formation uh, of a constitution in Virginia. So he goes back there and he'll spend the, the rest of the war in Virginia. And yeah, so he he even, he's a elected governor uh, and at the towards the end of the war, uh, and he hates being governor. Uh, has a very rough time being the wartime governor of Virginia. Why? I mean, he just kind of mismanages the the war effort in general. Uh, they're having the British at that time are starting to invade Virginia, um, and he moves the capital from Williamsburg to Richmond to try to protect it. Eventually, they uh, burn Richmond. And then there's a very famous incident where he's at Monticello and a British cavalry unit shows up at Monticello trying to, uh, to capture him. Uh, and he very yeah. nar- narrowly like runs into the woods and hides. And for the rest of his life, it's, it's mar- like he's embarrassed by it. And a lot of uh, Hamilton in particular kind of takes it as a, he calls Jefferson a, like a womanly figure because he ran and hid in the woods instead of standing up and fighting the British army. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> Shit happens. Shit happens. Uh, so Jefferson, uh, that that hurts his career, not significantly, but he's embarrassed by it for sure. Uh, and then they win, and then he'll eventually, um, his wife during this period dies, uh, which is a huge event for Jefferson. His relationship with his wife is probably the most positive relationship that he ever had with a woman. Um, it seemed like they had a, a very happy marriage, really. Uh, but he never really had any other um, 
this significant relationship with a woman, maybe other than his sister, um, either just relationship like family or yeah, yeah, non-family yeah. relationship. And but but you think uh, he th- this was the one that promised that made him promise he wouldn't get married again? Yeah. So that there's uh, we don't exactly know exactly know what she said, but something along the lines of you know never he she made him promise never to remarry. So her father, John Wales, uh, was married three times. So she grew up with two different stepmothers and hated them both. And so she just did not want her children and her daughters to be raised by uh, by another woman. So she made she uh, makes Jefferson promise that. And I mean, you, I, I don't know that Jefferson would have remarried, but when the uh, his relationship with Sally Hemings develops, a lot of it I think has to do with the convenience of. Being able to be with a woman who can't say no to him because she he is oh. she is owned by him, and he uh, can't marry her legally because she is a uh, a black woman. So by law, he can't marry her. Uh, uh, so like she's like, hey, like when are you getting married? I can't do this. So. Uh, we're gonna put a ring on it. <laughs> uh, legally, I uh, legally can't. can't. <laughs> um, but anyway, so his wife dies. He's grieves for that for a little while. Uh, and then he uh, gets offered to be uh, uh, basically an ambassadorship to uh, France after the war. And so he goes over there uh, and starts to witness the beginnings of the French Revolution, uh, which he's very uh, intrigued by. Uh, but he falls in love with French culture uh, and just European architecture, uh, and uh, he has some. He got those bigger wine glasses. Oh, got those bigger wine. Yeah, glasses. he's like, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, I mean, he some when Parisian he, ladies. It's not really till he goes over to France that he really <laughs> develops. <laughs> it develops his love of wine because just I mean, Virginia wine is shit uh, in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting better. <laughs> this is a letter Jefferson wrote to Adams. In Paris, from Paris in uh, September 4th. I'm not, this isn't a significant letter. It's just, uh, this is what he was talking about. Uh, dear sir, since writing my letter of this morning, I have seen Mr. Grand and had a conversation with him on the subject of interest due here. He has passed on the subject by a letter he received not long since from the com- commissioners of the treasury it seems their intention that he should pay this interest out of the money in holland they admitted to give him any authority to ask for any of the money i thought it possible they might have written to you on the subject i told him i would take the liberty of asking whether you had been desired to do any such thing it is a little unfortunate that our credit should be losing ground for the default of payment uh p-a-i-m-e-n-t what is that word Oh, that might just be. Sometimes they just spell things differently. That's the thing. When you read, I mean, they were not good spellers back then. I mean, we have spell check now. We're terrible spellers, but they weren't any better. And they, you, in different letters, they spell, even spell names differently. I mean, uh, like all the time. I think it's hilarious. Uh, But uh, yeah, he, uh, what was it? He, they go over there. I mean, him and Adams are over there together at one point. Adams will later become the um, uh, basically the first ambassador to Britain. Um, and then later he's uh, ambassador to the Dutch. Um, but yeah, he's over there trying. I mean, they're basically trying to um, <laughs> yeah, smooth. Over, I mean, they, the United States government owes uh, France a lot of money. We owe some money. We got some debts. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they're over there trying to smooth things over. I think one of the funniest things is the reason why we never end up really repaying that debt uh, is because when the French Revolution happens and they form a new government 
And they and then eventually France uh, is at war with uh, several other major European countries who are invading them during the French Revolution. And they're like, hey, we need money and military support. And they're like, oh, that was we had that deal with King Louis and killed that guy. So, you know, you're on your own now. <laughs> um, the old switcheroo. The old switcheroo. There. Yeah. <laughs> but Jefferson, he I mean, he he really loves France. Uh while he's over there, he he might he possibly had an affair with a, a woman named Maria Cosway. Yeah, get uh, it, Jay. Get it, Jay. Um, and that's a that's an interesting relationship because we don't exactly know you know how far that went, but you can you can see that you know he likes this woman, but he can't handle her. Like she's too too European. I yeah, think. she's uh, uh she's capable of making her own decisions. Yeah, I mean she's permit- unlike my slave mistress <laughs> at home who uh, has to. Basically. Touch my belly button. Uh, so, so he he's over in he's over in France, and he he brings his daughters over to be educated, and his the the younger daughter he he when he brings her over, uh, he asks for them to send her over with a slave, and he had mentioned bringing over an older woman, but they end up sending Sally Hemings with her, and I think Sally Hemings at the time was sixteen. Yeah. Uh, and when they Abigail Adams, John Adams wife actually meets them in England before they get to France. And she like very quickly realizes that this is not a good thing. Yeah. One like Sally Hemings is like a fucking teenager. Like how is she taking care of a slightly younger teenager? <laughs> and also they're sending this, you know, I mean, she's 16. But for that time, I mean, that's. It's fucking age. Uh, sure, as, sure. As weird as it, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's gross for us, but that's what they did. Yep. And she, the the thing to mention about Sally Hemings is she is actually Jefferson's sister-in-law, uh, not technically legally speaking. So just, so just some sixteen-year-old <laughs> sister-in-law slave uh, girlfriend. Basically, uh, <laughs> I mean, to just to explain it a little more, uh, his, Jefferson's father-in-law John Wales had, uh, when after his third wife died, had a slave mistress. Uh, whose youngest daughter Sally Hemings, and then that's so Jefferson's uh, yeah. wife. That's his her half sister, oh, and boy. she she was only one eighth black, so she was very light skinned, and to the point where a lot of people said that she could probably pass as white. That was like a big thing. Like if if you it were if thing. you were like uh, if you could pass, you tried. Yeah, no, and uh, two of, two of her children did that, and you would just abandon like all your friends and family, and that's like really that's still a thing that happened. I I watched a, a lecture, a guy who talked about that, and that's the thing that happened like fifty years ago. People would yeah. still do, yeah, that. yeah, it's crazy. They they send over her. Uh, he also had brought over her older brother James uh, to train to be his personal chef. Yeah, um, and while both of them are over there, they realize that they can be free. Uh-huh. Uh, because France had essentially abolished slavery. Yeah. Uh, it was technically, you could have slaves, but if they petitioned for their freedom, basically they would be granted freedom. Yep. Uh, and both of them realized this and they go up to Jefferson. They're like, yo, man, uh, I heard, uh, I, I heard, you know, if I asked, they're, they'll let me go. What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do, man? Uh, hey, just, just come, come on. What, what? Just, <laughs> don't, I, I wanna, don't, I come on, be don't, free. don't, yeah, don't be like that. What? Come back. <laughs> what, what, what are you going to give me if I come back? I mean, uh, obviously, uh, you know, n- uh, not n- nothing, but uh, you should. <laughs> what? We, 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 you just going to stay here? You're just going to stay here in Paris? You're going to stay here 
Yeah, it's pretty nice. And, got... and be free. Yeah. In yeah. Paris. Yeah, kind of. And <laughs> with just all those these whores and bread and wine in their big ass cups. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come back, mm-hmm. leave Paris and freedom and wine, and you come back to Virginia where you belong as a slave? Okay, sounds good. Yeah, yeah then, then, then. That was it. Uh, <laughs> what we what we we think happened is that he w- 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 with James, what he does is he says, "All right, if you come back with me, I I will free you, but you got to train someone else to be my chef. So you learn, you got you got to learn, and then you got to you got to get someone somebody. to cover you got to c- cover your shifts, <laughs> cover your shift, um, and." Uh, and then, so the the other question is, why does Sally Hemings come back? And that's a little more ambiguous because obviously she's never freed. Um, and at that point, we don't really know if their relationship had started. Dude, like, why didn't like there was no one else in 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 Paris over there that was like, imagine like that, like <laughs> you see these like Thomas Jefferson, he's in Paris, he's visiting, he's got his two slaves, and the slaves are like, yeah, we're we're yeah, we want to stay, we don't <laughs> in Paris as free people instead of go back to. Virginia, <laughs> and they're like, and then well, the, he's like, hey, "We'll just go back. Come on, come on, it'll be great." He's like, "You, you got nothing here." Like, <laughs> no one else like saw that and was like, "Hey, like, no, like, yes, yeah, stay." <laughs> are you, I mean, are you crazy. Mean, I'm sure. I mean, and is there- I don't let people go to Maryland. Like, I'm not gonna let. <laughs> I wouldn't let two guys go back to be slaves in Virginia. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, I mean, have you tried the food here? <laughs> <laughs> freedom is delicious. That's what I call freedom fries. It is. It's well. It's interesting too, particularly with with James Hemings, because eventually he will be, become free. I mean, Jefferson kind of does stick to his word. Uh, I think he tra- uh, James trains his younger brother to end up uh, being uh, his chef. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, man. It's your turn. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> but he he has a very kind of a very sad I think sad life after and because he's trying to live as a free man in America at a time when, that that there was no opportunity for him yeah uh, so I mean he probably would have been I don't want to say better off as a slave uh, I mean it's not the not the well, what about in Paris if he had stayed it, in Paris it might have been great it could have been and there uh, it, there was a free black community in Paris at the time yeah. very, it was small but he could I think he probably would have done better in Paris but. You know, I mean, he it's it's asking someone to abandon their his entire family. He could have gotten a little hat, <laughs> that <would've been> great <laughs> little little cockade on that hat. Yeah, tricolors. Eventually, he comes back. French Revolution's uh, in the beginning stages, right before kind of the terror starts, and all of his friends start getting their heads lopped off. Um, oh, but while he's over there, I think the, another funny thing is they're constant. French people are just constantly asking him, like, "Why do you guys still have slaves? Like, you're you know, you're you wrote the Declaration of Independence, all better." Created equal. What's yeah. up with that man? And he's like, ah, we're we're getting into it. We're getting to it. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. do it. Even at this time, he's still confident that slavery will be abolished. Uh huh. Jefferson can never envision a a biracial society, but he he does think that. I, I mean, they, they like they're like. It sounds like they're literally treating slavery like recycling. You know, we're like yeah. everyone knows they should recycle. No, I, but I, I'm like I'm not going out of my way. Like, and I oh, like you know, like I don't go out of my I way work, to do it. I work at a re- <laughs> the restaurant I work at. We I will recycle. We ban plastic straws. And my one of my managers, the first thing he said was, "Oh, I learned very quickly. I'm not an environmentalist because I want to use straws. Yeah, and I can't use straws anymore. So yeah, so it's like yeah, of course, like that's but I mean, this is like a person's life. Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but and it's crazy, but it's that's how that sounds like they're treating it. Where it's like, yeah, it's probably the right thing to do, 
But uh, I mean, there, you, it's kind of inconvenient. That whole idea of like not morally, <laughs> for sure. I mean, and for Jefferson in particular, I mean, the lifestyle he is trying to like he he's trying to build a mansion on a mountain. Yeah, yeah. he has to he has to top. What was level that quote? Up. What was that quote where someone was like, he's like, yeah, there's there's never been a, a house like this in Virginia. Or is they, was that you telling me that one? He's like, no one's ever put like uh, a house on a mountain in Virginia. And he's like, not yet. I don't, I don't think I told you that. That's, okay. That'd be, that'd be funny. Not <laughs> not, it sounds like an action movie. Yeah, now. yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, Monticello, if you go to it, I mean, it is extraordinary. I mean, it's the, I, the, I believe the only former presidential or something like the only f- presidential home that's a, a World Heritage Site. Um, but it, I mean, it is, it is a magnificent, magnificently oh gorgeous God, place. It is. It's on the top of this mountain. The architecture is amazing. The gardens, all, like all of it, you can see why he would want to do it. But it's insane. I mean, the yeah. fact that you're a te- you're a tobacco farmer, the the way you make your money is by growing tobacco and selling it. And how do you sell tobacco? Well, you have to be able to move it. Yeah. And how do you move it? We well, have to be near a river, and you're. But now you're on top of a mountain. Yeah. And like, how do you get supplies? How do you? It's just. It's so unfeel for even today. I mean, it's it's like kind of ins- like people yeah. very rarely live on top of mountains. Sure. Right? It's not a feasible thing. Uh, and, but it's totally, you know, he's able to do it cause he owns hundreds of people. Um, I think that's, yeah. But anyway, so he, uh, he comes back, um, and you know, he's building, he, uh, I think he, he actually wants to go back. He wants to stay in France. Uh, he kind of comes back to settle some things. He, He's worried about his daughter. Um, he does. He she's so she's in a um, a Catholic school, and he doesn't like that she's getting some some, some ideas, some yeah. fancy Catholic ideas in her head, like like about God, like about God. Was, um, was he a, a religious person? I mean, he was a big fan of um, like Enlightenment thinkers, and yeah. So early, his his religious views are. It depends on how old he is. When he's yep. he's younger, he's a little more rebellious uh he started he i mean literally this whole thing he he, it was an insult when some people would say he's he reads philosophy that was you know uh a religious insult that he's he's reading reading comic books (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh he's reading non-biblical texts uh which was for some people blasphemy um and he but he he was i would call him a deist you know he believed in a god Um, He believed in in, an order, uh, order to the universe. Everything is like a like clockwork. Everything's got its place. It was designed uh, to run perfectly. And he doesn't believe in an omnipresent or uh, an all knowing God or a a God that intervenes. He doesn't he doesn't believe in miracles. Probably one of the more famous uh, things that he writes is what we call known as the Jefferson Bible. it's It's not really something he writes, but he basically with an exacto knife kind of cuts out what he believes to be the genuine quotes of Jesus. Oh, or, really? Um, and he, he does this twice. The, he, the second time is a little more detailed, but he creates basically a, a big, uh, basically a, a f- philosophical book. What he, what he thinks is the, the most important tenets of Christianity. And that's when he believes, I mean, he, he, he sees Jesus as the greatest moral philosopher, but he doesn't believe Jesus is the son of God. He doesn't believe in the Trinity. Really? He, he becomes, I think a Unitarian is a good way to describe him, at least in his later years, which is, I mean, the, a lot of the founders were like that Washington Adams. They were all kind of, you know, they didn't, they weren't atheists, even though uh, Jefferson was accused of being an atheist. Yeah. Uh, often. I mean, just, just, uh, 
slander basically but yeah uh he's he's more religious i think than some people give him credit for uh but he was an he was an enlightened he's a man of the enlightenment sure uh, and that i think that's uh important in the understanding of his his belief system so he returns to america basically to a new america uh while he's been in france the the constitutional convention uh was uh called uh or will, will become the constitutional convention uh, they disband the Articles of Confederation, redo government, and Jefferson. I mean, there. You know, he. I think he's disappointed that he doesn't have that much influence in it. He he does not like the new Constitution when he get when he reads about it. Uh, he's in contact with Madison at this time. They're kind of starting their their friendship. Um, I mean, they had they were acquaintances before, but they really started to become allies at this point. Uh, Madison, uh, one of the primary authors of the the constitution uh but Jeff- jefferson he, he he gets back and he you know i think he he wants to be done with government i think he sees that he's he served his time uh he has given himself uh to his country uh and he just wants to peace out <laughs> and he and he does that and then he lives alone for the rest of his life <laughs> yes uh no uh he literally walks off the boat in norfolk and uh they're like uh hey you're uh you're the secretary of state the what secretary of state uh which which one which state virginia no no all of them all oh uh you're gonna is that a big job you had big pants for that job you had to wear a lot of they wear like shoes yeah shoes pants shirt wow everything um uh, I mean, you know, you can figure it so out. So I have to. So I have to. I'm a secretary of state. <laughs> yeah, there's like you know desk memos. Uh, you know, you just, you just figure it out. You 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 got right. it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I mean, he kind of reluctantly accepts that he just feels like he can't refuse Washington, and but he he thinks that he's going to be uh, kind of significant in the administration, uh, and then quickly finds out uh, that. Uh, while he's been gone, Hamilton, uh, a figure that he really didn't know, Hamilton was a, a, a colonel in the revolution, so he was not in the political side of that. But he, he in those those years, he wrote the Federalist Papers. Was he in Paris during the revolution? Jefferson? Yeah. No, he's in Virginia. He's in Virginia. So he's in Virginia. As a governor. As a governor. And then- War ends. Uh, war ends. Very, uh, uh, very quickly very, goes to Paris. Goes to Paris. He's over there for a couple of years. Comes back. They, they French helped us a little bit. French helped us. We had to, you know, help him out a little yeah. bit. Uh, and then we say, "Fuck you guys." So. Yeah. And then, uh, but while all that's happened, Alexander Hamilton. He he knew Washington during the Revolution, um, and then uh, he's become a, a much more powerful political figure. Um, a le- leading uh, Federalist and the uh, the faction of the Federalist Party they call the High Federalist. Yeah, uh, and then he's the he's the Secretary of the Treasury. Uh-huh. Uh, so he but he becomes the the bigger influence on Washington. And yep. Je- Jefferson, you know, resents it. Uh, he I mean he he starts to just I mean dislike Washington. I think he especially you know towards the you know, the latter half of his first term and then yeah. especially his second term. Uh, Jefferson sees Washington as kind of losing some of his luster you know he's he's he thinks he i think he thinks he's senile um and he's too dependent on hamilton and hamilton just is the antithesis of jefferson why how so right well, Je- well i mean so they are forming a new country and jefferson's idea of the new country is an agrarian republic basically a nation of farmers yeah limit yep. limited government uh decentralized um and he wanted kind of you know I wouldn't say universal suffrage, but hashtag even, farming for life. <laughs> hashtag farmers only. Farmers only. Uh, they, you know, city folk just don't understand. Farmers uh, only would have been uh, 
the government's website. Farmers only, it basically just would have been everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody's on this one dating site. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, and then Hamilton represents, you know, he's big business. He's uh, a he, he wants a strong central government. I mean, there's there's the I, I am an anti Hamiltonian. I, I think Hamilton's a piece of shit. I think he's a genius. He understands economics and the way the way to form a strong economy more so than anybody else in America does at that time. Really? Uh, yeah. Where did he study? What now is Columbia College, I think uh, it was called uh, King's College. That was no, that was Rutgers. Queens. No, Rutgers is Queens College. Yeah. Yeah. Rutgers. So, so Columbia was Kings. Yep. Uh, so he went to Columbia. He was. I think he had actually tried to. Have go you to seen uh, the King of Queens? King of Queens. Oh yeah, I love that. It's a. He also studied. At I think Columbia. he. I think he got his his undergrad at Columbia and his masters at Rutgers. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good route, but. <laughs> Just really like, ooh, that was hard. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's pick something a little, a little easier for the next one. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, Ham- but Hamilton, I mean, he's not only in their political beliefs, but he's he's an immigrant. He's from uh, the Caribbean island. He was a, a bastard son of, uh, a mer- uh, I believe, a merchant. Yep. and uh, his, But his uh, <laughs> father was married, so he couldn't marry his mother. Uh, and then his mother dies and he's adopted. But just because he's a genius and someone takes interest in him and is like, oh, this guy might do something one day uh, and then pays for him to go to the United States. And then eventually he gets in, it, like really surprisingly gets into King's College because I maybe mean, <laughs> most of the people were well already well educated. I mean, he came from nothing, essentially. Uh, and then he fights in the revolution and he gets on Washington staff uh, and then uh Kind of has a falling out with Washington at one point, uh, and then um, he gets off of Washington's staffs, and then becomes a, a hero at Yorktown. But then after the re- uh, he, you know, he's you know Jefferson is you know born into the elite planter class and is you know small government agrarian, and Hamilton is agrarian. Uh, such a fun word, <laughs> agrarian. Yeah, <laughs> sounds 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 is this, smart. Is this before he wrote that book that Dr. Seuss uh, ripped off, Green Green Eggs and Hamilton? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the uh hamilton i think it's interesting that hamilton's seen such a resurgence i think it's because he didn't own slaves uh but that, ah, yeah we got one that, that's the big one i mean but if we look at his views he's oh and he has a great uh play he does uh he's he was a very talented rapper he's a very talented rapper. very talented i thought uh jefferson stuff was just as good i, I thought i mean the uh it was, it was truly the the Tupac and Biggie of their of their times. Okay. Uh, no, the but Hamilton, you know, he he politically and just socially represents the opposite of Jefferson, and he becomes a bigger influence in the cabinet. Uh, both of them actually leave before the first term is over. Jefferson goes, he's like, oh, I'm going to go retire now. I'm tired of this politics stuff. So he goes back to Monticello and chills there and then after and the the first week um, you call real election um after washington leaves office uh jefferson almost becomes president he's second uh in the election so is he does he have to is he running a campaign or is he's not he's being voted in by peers he's just the most famous figure other than adam so adams wins um but they're not there's no political campaign Yeah, yeah other uh, really, the party system hasn't even developed yet. So there, I mean, there are people who are out there maybe campaigning, but Jefferson never came, campaigns for anything in his life. Really, he never makes. Oh man, never makes a campaign speech. Never has to beg for money for donors. He, <laughs> he's over at Monticello while other guys are 
going out and doing the dirty stuff for him. I think that's the, I think that's another reason people don't like Jefferson is that he's he's very hands off. He talks a big game, but he doesn't like the the dirty aspects of politics. Sure. But anyway, so he he the way the electoral college worked was whoever was second in in votes would he be vice president. Yeah. So there's no party choices. And Jefferson and Adams kind of has high hopes, uh, but Jefferson thinks that Adams has turned. He's not. He's lost his the, lost the spirit of '76, and he's uh, uh, leaning towards monarchy. And that's a big fight at the time. And what you know, the Federalists. You know, some of the were. I mean, I think Hamilton did want a monarchy. Uh, he he's, he thinks it's more stable than a really democratic form of government. But uh, it's hard to really figure out what he wanted. But. <laughs> There were there probably were Federalists who wanted a monarchy. I don't think Adams was one of them. I think yeah. Adams is a little more cynical, and he thinks America will become a monarchy. But he, he's not necessarily in favor of it. Yeah. Um, he's getting a little grumpy. Get a little grumpy. Age. Adams wants them to be able to work together, but Jefferson is kind of, you know, thinks that Adams is a lost cause. One thing that Adams didn't like when he was vice president was that he was not included in cabinet meetings. He was the uh, president of the Senate. Wait, so, uh, wait, what? So the vice president, their real job is their, their real only yeah, function yeah, yeah, yeah. is president of the Senate. Yep. They break tight. They're the tiebreakers. Yes. And yeah. But um, uh, and I remember there's one question was like, uh, is uh, the vice president part of the legislative branch instead of the executive? Because he's part of. Sure. Um, but uh, wait. So so George, who's George Washington's vice president? It's Adams. It's Adams. So he's he's vice president both times, but he's not included in any cabinet meeting. So he feels like he was like frozen out, essentially. Um, like they do today. Like they do. Uh, what's Mike Pence doing now? Not nah, nah, <laughs> He's going around. Be angry that he can't have sex with men. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, but Adams uh, wants to include Jefferson, but Jefferson kind of just rebuffs him. He's like, "No, I'm going to do what my constitutional duty is, and that's to be the tiebreaker in the Senate." That you can their division, you know, because they had been best. Uh, and now the best Senate friends. is the Senate uh, two senators per state at this point. Yes. Okay. Uh, and there, there's no Democratic elections. They're chosen by uh, state legislature. The how like the 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 equivalent of their house of Burgesses, Burg- like the or yeah. whatever. Uh, and so, State uh, so but Adams' presidency is kind of complicated. I mean, the the basically it's you know we start to see the division and the begin division of the two wings, the two factions, and the party system. The one side is the Federalists. The Federalists have been uh, instrumental in forming the Constitution, forming the new federal government. And they are trying to increase the role of the federal government, make it more centralized. Uh, There are uh, a a few other things in there. But the anti-federalists who have been opposed to the Constitution, they will form what's called the Republican Party, not the same Republican Party that we have today. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes sometimes to defer or differentiate it, they call it the Democratic Republican Party. Uh, But they become the the opposition party. Bernie Sanders. The Bernie Sanders. I'd like to see Bernie Sanders doing speeches about agrarianism. (laughs) Agrarian. You guys got to start farming. You ain't doing it right. Need to farm? What? What? What are we gonna? We're gonna, we're gonna just sell? Sell bullshit? We're gonna? We're gonna make? We're gonna make goods? Nah, you ain't done a hard day's work until you spend all day in the hot sun keeping your slaves on top of their tasks. Yeah, you know it's 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 hard work to you know watch four hundred people yeah. do things. That's, they, that I break a sweat just watching them. I, it pains me more. I swear it does. I've everyone else I talk to, they agree with me. It you know, pains. They, they they get you know the an honest <laughs> day's work. You know they yeah. they can take pride in that. Yes, and I and I'm just sitting here sweating. Oh boy, <laughs> so sweaty. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I, I have lemonade, of yeah, course. Of course. Of course. Uh, that's a Mike's Hard lemonade. <laughs> that's a Mike. I'm, I'm drinking. I'm, I'm, drinking. I'm boozing. There's I'm no... <laughs> but it... it dep- yeah, it's... Uh, it's I am a victim. <laughs> okay? It hurts me more than... Uh, but anyway, so... so yeah, the when Repu- did Sam Adams... Uh, is that... Is, is Sam Adams... He's a real person. Is he uh, the son of John? He's the cousin of John. He's yeah. the older cousin. Is he brewing beer at this time? We so there's a it's he probably did brew beer, but basically everybody who had money probably brewed their own beer. Yeah. Jefferson Jefferson brewed beer. Um, Washington did as well. So it's not that unusual that he did. But he yeah he he did brew beer. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know much about it, but he was he was actually more famous than John Adams at first. Did he care about having a good foamy head? Oh yeah, to his beer, nice, nice lacing on the nice. on the side of the, of the glass. Um, but he uh, what did he do? He well he was a big. Um, he was one of the uh, the uh, big a big patriot leader in the beginning, and he's still around at this time, but not a huge figure. Right. Although he had, they had thought to not maybe possibly nominate him uh, for uh, vice president at some point. But anyway, so Adams and uh, did Adams like Washington when he was, or was he getting mad at him because he didn't he didn't he I never think, got the memos that the that we're having a meeting. I think yeah, I think I think Adams just resents everybody, like anybody who is. At, at the time, I mean, he thinks he thinks that Washington gets too much credit. Adams feels like he Could was. You like, do you have a, a good uh, parallel of like a person today who's like a John Adams? Who's a John Adams today? That's a good. Um, I, <laughs> I want to say Jeb Bush, just because I think like <laughs> I, I, I think Jeb Bush is. That video is so funny. That, that, yeah, watch, go type sad Jeb Bush. It's uh, <laughs> so good. It's a, a Vic Burger video, but anyways, yeah, I mean, just someone who's <laughs> who, who had held a lot of offices and just doesn't get the respect that they deserve it's yeah, just yeah, constantly yeah. just other people are just like oh this fucking guy's still here and, <laughs> he's uh, uh <laughs> it's yeah that i but so but john adams he i think he think yeah he didn't like uh that washington kind of froze him out um and i think he i think he respects washington i, I he I, every everyone knows that washington's the the most important of them all Although Adams wants people to think he's the most important yeah, yeah, yeah. but i think everybody all of them know that without washington um uh, they probably it would have been difficult to win the war. Was was Washington a a uh, military genius? No, no. Um, well, I mean, it, it's that idea. Was of like, this an easy? Was the revolution an easy war to win? Yes. Yeah. All because it, it's like it's not. We don't have to win. We just had to not lose. We just had not lose. Yeah. It's like it's it's just plain defense. Like we couldn't take. We you couldn't get Vietnam. We couldn't win in Vietnam. And there's like. We have helicopters. Yeah. What I mean, are we we gonna do from from England? You send supplies every. Takes twenty four weeks to get here. How yeah. that, <laughs> I mean, Britain is able. I mean, what we. I, I think the the thing about the revolution. It, I think once. I think it's inevitable. I think some. It's it's bad to call historical events inevitable because yeah. you know things are fluid while they're happening. They can go in different directions, but it just seems that all the things that were happening point to, to that there's going to be a revolution. And if we hadn't won it militarily the way we did. Um, I think it would just turn into a guerrilla war, and we would have won eventually. That's where war went with guerrillas. <laughs> yes, we would have. Important guerrillas. Yeah. Rest in peace. Oh, important. That's uh, he. He was a patriot. He was a patriot. <laughs> um, I can't. <laughs> I can't believe so many. Uh, we'll do in our next episode in Stalingrad. We'll learn a lot about uh how the Russians used guerrillas. <laughs> <laughs> very important to fight the war there was a one of my favorite conspiracy theories i've ever heard was that stalin uh tried to create an army of eight men by actually 
this is true. Fuck names. Uh, he there was a they had did scientific uh, experiments where they tried to get a lady pregnant with uh, uh monkey jizz. Uh, didn't work. Uh, did, oh man, did not I, didn't get that ape army. <laughs> I like that's yeah, that's disgusting. Uh, it is. Uh, I watched the video though. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Maybe I'd start watching. I'll see where it goes. <laughs> um, it might scar you. Yeah, but so uh, but Adams. Uh, Adams is elected president, Jefferson vice president, and then they they grow apart uh, personally and politically. And then by the time they- I'm reading, like so so like one of the things I read a little bit of was like letters to him, like and they wrote their entire life, like even like when when Jefferson's like 60, 70 years old, they're still writing to each yeah. other, and they're like Adams is like, hey, would you do it all again if you can like restart life from and at, uh, Jefferson's like, uh, if I I would only if I could skip the young part of my life. He didn't like being a young person and he, and if I could skip the old part of my life and then later he's like, you know what? I would do it all again. I just wouldn't want to be young again. And it, that's it, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Je- Jefferson, but, Jefferson doesn't, yeah, he doesn't work as a, a young man. Like it, sure. his, his, I think he, he develops as he gets older, yeah, he yeah, kind yeah. of comes into his own. So, so, and, and I, I think he was lonely growing up too, just in sure. his house. Uh, yeah. But I do think that um, Jefferson, Nat- like, yeah, I mean, obviously, letter writing was different back then. That was like more just communication, basic communication. Yeah. But you don't write, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of letters to someone and just, you know, throw your whole entire life to this other person that you well, don't actually have some kind of like well, when, when Adams respect and, for. When Adams and Jefferson reconcile, Adams is just like, hey, man, like we went through some shit. Like, yeah. We like... I forgot the exact quote, but something like it would be a shame if we didn't explain ourselves. Like, we, of course, we should talk about what happened because at that point they were some of the only men who were still alive. They, yeah, they lived very like they lived very long. Adams lived into his nineties. Jefferson lived into his eighties. They both both died on the same day. They died on the same day, and he wrote that uh, like Adams like on his deathbed said uh, famously like uh, and Jefferson, Je- lives, Jefferson lives, but he had died hours before. Yeah, and Jefferson asked. Uh, I think he asked what day it was, or is it July fourth? Which was it was July fourth. July 4th, 1826, they both died. But yeah, you can't, like, I mean, all your petty fucking arguments about, like, uh, whatever. Like, these guys are all trying. The way they get back together is so funny, because it's such, like, fucking third grade girl, like... They have a they have a mutual friend Benjamin Rush and he gets them back together basically by writing John Adams and being like, "Hey Jefferson, he's sorry. He 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 wants to write to you." And then writing Jefferson the same thing, saying, "Hey Adams, he he wants to like start talking again." <laughs> they and, got the third person. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I'll do it if he does. It's like, it. if you want to sit next to Jefferson at lunch, the lunch table today, he like, wouldn't pass, kick passing notes. Like, <laughs> check yes or no if you like me. Check. I would uh, check yes I for would. Adams. Oh yeah. But anyway, so they. His president, Adams' presidency is very complicated because one, the Federalist Party starts to deteriorate. The high, the high Federalists that are led by Hamilton, who's not in office, he's uh, kind of just behind the scenes. They hate they hate Adams. They hate Adams almost as much as they hate Jefferson. Hamilton actually like literally says, "I'd rather have Jefferson be president because at least if we have him and like we don't have to." be held accountable for him because he's not our guy Mm -hmm. and we can be an we can just be the opposition yeah i'd rather just be the open opposition than like the real yeah so what's really the the with the political divisions a lot of it has to do with our relationship both to france and britain uh the republicans uh are more favorable towards france uh the federalists are more favorable towards britain um and Particularly at a time, you know, this is during revolutionary France and the, the Federalists are calling the Republicans like uh, the Jacobins. The Jacobins were the the, <laughs> the radical uh, group in France uh, that were uh, kind of inst- uh, instigating the, the terror. Um, 
but the, uh, the, that was a big issue. Uh, there was the thing called the Quasi War, uh, where we were in an undeclared naval war with France. Basically, they were, we were um, both our navy and their navy were fighting each other, even though we were decla- we weren't declared at yeah, war. Yeah. Um, and some cannonballs. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, they're friendly, friendly cannonballs. Friendly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like a soccer friendly match, uh-huh. but anyway. So the uh, the Federalists wanted to go wanted to go to war with France, and the Republicans didn't. And Adams kept us out of war. He said a sent a peace delegation uh, that was successful, and but it was only found out that it was successful after all of the votes for and it, the that election had been cast already. Oh, so Adams. So we didn't get any points for that. Adam, like. Adams was like like so bitter when he. I mean, he was happy that you know the peace worked out that they came up with a deal that was you know favorable for both sides uh, uh but it didn't count any you know didn't, didn't help him didn't out get that credit the election process just to you know try to explain it in simple terms uh the electoral college base i mean it was a real thing like the they are literally choosing electors each state chooses its electors in different ways there were states that did have popular elections but this is only um you know uh Landowning white men can vote uh, for their electors. They're not actually voting for president. Yes. They're just voting for an elector. Some yeah, st- the idea was like, and and there's like some there, there's people still make you know an argument about this today, where it's like, should everyone be allowed to vote? Like, should you have some kind of education before you place a vote? Mm-hmm. And at the time, they're like, like and like it wasn't uh, even like today where everyone has some kind of education but there it's like literally there's a whole group of the population is never like is illiterate you know so yeah the election i mean essentially it came down to a few states i mean everyone knew that virginia was going to support jefferson everybody knew that massachusetts was going to support adams and generally speaking the north was going to support adams and the south was going to support jefferson so you start to see that political division between north and south develop is our guy this is their guy is our guy and their guy and then both sides also try to pick vice so they the way they try to get around the vice president rule is what they, what they do is they're the the parties which are organizing now they're going to tr- they're going to intentionally cast votes for yes. uh president and then they're going to vote uh they cuz each elector gets two votes and so the, the the you can vote for any two people you want as long as they're not from the same state so if you vote for Jefferson you can't vote for another Virginia candidate uh, so they're going to try to pick someone from the north to try to you know bring in northern votes, and the Federalists do that as well. Um, but Je- uh, they, uh, the Republicans end up going with Aaron Burr. So Aaron Burr, he was uh, really like the first real American political operative. Like he loves, I mean, he's you know just loves party politics, and he's not a, a principled man. He just wants yeah, yeah. he just wants power. Um, and him and Hamilton have a, uh, his, a great His great-grandson uh, is a great comedian, though. <laughs> Dude, why? <laughs> why? why? He's like, imagine Aaron Bird and Bill Burr. <laughs> why are you going to shoot Alexander Hamilton? Is <laughs> there like, you want to step outside? <laughs> okay, dude, why? <laughs> uh, so Hamilton, uh, or excuse me, Burr, Burr is the, the candidate. And Burr had, he was the first person to actually actively campaign. So in the, the previous election, he had campaigned to be vice president. And er, no one took him seriously because he was really, he was a young guy. Uh-huh. Uh, and also everyone was like, what the fuck is this guy? He wants to be vice president? Like, nobody wants to be. You just get it. Yeah. Um, but he was actively trying and he failed. So what ends up happening is... Uh, comes down to a couple different states. South Carolina is important uh-huh. uh, because South Carolina is the vice uh, is a guy named Charles Coatsworth Pinckney. Great name, Pinckney. Uh, Pinckney in the brain. 
uh, he, he uh, he's from South Carolina. He's a Federalist. They choose him. He his brother was a uh, also a, a candidate in the last election. So South Carolina is a big battleground state. Pennsylvania is, and Maryland. Are, uh, those are all the really the middle states is, uh, are the big battleground states, uh, as well as um, uh, South Carolina. But basically, um, the Republicans win. The Federalists had just become so unpopular. Uh, Hamilton also starts openly attacking Adams in public. Uh, he writes a letter basically just disavowing Adams. And it's so just open and petty. It's just it's just hilarious to me. I mean, Hamilton basically just destroys his political career and his party just because he doesn't like Adams. Wow. Uh, that is a kind of... Uh, bitter resentment that I expect from, <laughs> from a what? Latino woman. <laughs> I think yeah, him, my girlfriend. He was from he was from the Caribbean. My girlfriend <laughs> would do the same. She would betray <laughs> everything she stands for to uh, spite me. Yeah. Um. And so Hamilton, um, he writes this open letter, basically saying that Adams is a piece of shit. Uh, the I mean, this is a very dirty, very nasty election. Does a guy, the Jefferson hires a guy named James Callender who writes negative things about Adams. He calls Adams a hermaphrodite, saying he's like he's <laughs> his, yeah. his qualities are neither or he's like too like too feminine to be a man and too manly to be a woman. So he's. <laughs> And James James Callender sounds like actually my type. Yeah, uh, you know, best of both worlds. Callender is the guy who actually is one of the first people to expose the Sally Hemings scandal because he turns on Jefferson because he after Jefferson gets elected, he's like, "Hey, I want to be postmaster of Richmond," and Jefferson's like, "Ah, nah." Was <laughs> he postmaster? That was a that was a big job. Postmaster. Oh god, because it was a government it was a government job. Everyone wanted to be, and you it was just a good job. It was easy. So and it was one of the few things that government did was the mail. Uh, so postmaster, it was a big job. Oh my god! And he Jefferson didn't trust him to be postmaster, and so James Callender starts publishing stories about calendars. Uh, calendars. I let his mom. Ad- he very his a lot wife of Marie calendars. has great pot pies. Oh lord! <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of name puns in this podcast. Get yeah, get used to that. Uh, <laughs> you're not you're not on board with that. You might as well get off right now. <laughs> so, calendar he writes things about uh, talk shit about Jefferson. He exposes the how Sally Hemings scandal. Even though yo, the, yo, even, yo boy won't let me be fucking mailman of the year. I'm gonna write about his slave wife who looks like is also his the sister in law or some yeah. shit. I mean, people knew. I mean, even in the election of 1800. Uh, there are federalists who there there have always been like rumors circulating. Uh, so there, um, and people in uh, obviously in the later years, people when they visit Monticello, they're just like, huh, all these little slave kids running around that look like the guy who owns them. What's up with that? And they're yeah. just like, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, you want you want wine or not? <laughs> in our little cups, big so, cups now. Big cups now. We got, we got went, bigger. Went to big, Paris. Oh, we got big old European cups. Old, yeah. It's like a pimp glass now. Pimp glass. <laughs> Chalice. Chalice. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so Jefferson wins. Um, but what ends up happening is because so Aaron Burr and the, he was so he was he Aaron Burr was kind of a he's a bitchy little guy too, and he had just complained. He's he's like I want solidarity with the party, and I don't want to lose votes. So oh yeah, and, you and every other generation. Yeah, and the parties don't aren't that well organized so they the the way they were supposed to do it was everyone was going to vote for both of them except one guy was going to drop a vote 
And so it yeah, would Aaron Burr would get one less. But then they all vote both. So it was 73-73, Jefferson Burr, Adams had come in third, uh, Pinckney. Uh, the Federalists had actually worked, did the right thing. They, I think Adams had 65 and Pinckney had 64. The one other vote went to uh, John Jay. Um, but anyways, the, the guy at the college. Yeah, the college. Uh, John Jay College. Uh, he was also a Supreme Court justice. So then with the in the Constitution, it says if there is no majority, um, the House of Representatives will decide the president. Uh-huh. And it's only going to be between the people who are tied. Um, but while this is happening, I mean, the Federalists basically they're going to like they almost uniformly agree to back Aaron Burr because they see him as uh, not a principled guy. Uh, and so that he can be manipulated or bribed oh, essentially wow. to basically, and I mean, Aaron Burr does kind of flip side several times in his career. He's he not, wants to be a politician. He's, he he's a politician. He is, he is the, I think you could call him the first American politician. Wow. Uh, and they also just want to you know fuck over Jefferson. So they're going to uh, just vote for Burr. Um, and then they, they start casting ballots and uh, they, I think the Republicans think that, you know, at first that, you know, they'll Burr, that Jefferson won't be able to get a majority, but they'll realize that they can't the federalists won't be able to win so eventually it'll quickly kind of uh they'll vote eventually just you know, kind of get over it and vote for jefferson but what ends, up, what ends up happening is um they they end up casting over 30 ballots uh and over a series of days and this basically the same result every time um and neither had a clear majority i think you had to have nine states to win and jefferson had eight burr had six and then there were a couple states that were abstaining um so no one had a majority basically what the burr could have ended it he could have said that at any time oh but he never that he was not the presidential candidate that if he said that i he had just come out and said, I'm not going to accept the office, even if you, will, you know, I'm, I was not the presidential candidate. He never does because he wants to be president and he thinks there's a chance he can do it. So he doesn't say shit. Yeah. Then, uh, but eventually the Federalists kind of realized that, you know, even Burr is kind of, he, he, he won't uh, give in to some of their demands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hamilton also behind, Hamilton hates Burr. He, he, if there's one person he hates more than Jefferson, it's Aaron Burr. So even he's able to kind of swallow his pride and, you know, he, he, like I think, like you said before, he uh, convinces people to switch their votes yep. um, because at least Jefferson is, uh, you know, as bad as he is, he's not Aaron Burr. Well, well I mean, that's like uh, one thing that I like looking at politics in this time, the most refreshing thing. And I know they're like, they actually are having arguments on substance, sure. like where they're like, oh, I uh, disagree with the substance of mm-hmm. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. But both of these characters, I you know believe. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe it's just hindsight, but I believe that they're uh, they really do want the best for the country, and they might have different opinions about right. it. Right. Whereas, like here in normal politics, I just want you to convince me that you're on, that you're honest, that you're that you believe you truly believe that what you're doing is helping the people or whatever. I I, I, I yeah and. I, we don't want to. We again, we don't want to lionize them, but they they do seem to be, for the most part, men, men of principle. Men of principle. Is, they yeah, they're not just. <clears throat> I think the sad part about this election is that you start to see those partisan partisan divides. And one, I one, I forgot who it was, but one of them comments about how earlier on um, in the government they had been more. I don't know, mixed together more. Yeah. But by this time, they're they're starting to they they only associate with their own party. 
Um, oh, wow. Whereas that, that, that happened quick. <laughs> it, it did. But I mean, you could see for I mean, they envisioned a one party system. I mean, that for us today, you know, we joke about, you know, communist states that like China, that's a one party system. We see that as Crazy. bad. But for them, that's what they thought was going to be. You know, that's how a, uh, a republic should work. We don't need factions. Uh, yeah, we yeah. should have like one just one government for the general interest of the people. Okay. Uh, but very quickly, they realized that doesn't work yeah. uh, or it didn't work. So Jeff- and so the House, uh, after uh, after several days and over 30 ballots, finally uh, elects Jefferson. Uh, Adams is very, very disappointed by this. Um, uh, Jefferson's inaugurated on March 4th, 1801. Uh, his inauguration parade starts at noon. John Adams left that morning at 4 a.m., uh, he's the only for him. He's the only president to this day to have uh, skipped the inauguration uh, of his successor. If he was still uh, of any living president, because he was so bitter about it, he was so bitter. He his excuse his uh, to be fair, his daughter uh, had cancer, uh, so he was going back to Massachusetts. So his uh, his excuse was he was trying to leave as soon as he possibly could. Yeah, uh, but it does come across as very petty. <laughs> um, but at, yeah, so Adams leaves and Jefferson's president, and that's it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So what? So what? What? What is the? I mean, that's that's really what we wanted to cover. Yeah. Uh, but like, um, what do you think the that said to the world when that happened? Well, I think the interesting thing is that Jefferson wins the election, but I think he loses, and that what America becomes is not what he wanted. And really what Adam, it's not what Adams wanted either. I don't think, I think to what America today is not what any of them sure. could have even possibly envisioned. Yeah. Um, but I think, but I think, uh, you know, I mean, after that point, you know, Jefferson, his biggest thing as president is Louisiana purchase, uh, yep. which is going to be, I mean, it forms uh, basically the continental United States. Yep. We are a nation from ocean to ocean. Yep. And it's only, it was only uh, like, 13 uh, 15 million dollars or something like that some yeah, of it was like I mean, a key, uh you know uh loans forgiven uh well napoleon had basically he realized that france could not control it it was yeah. too large a territory he couldn't they had no navy uh they were having enough trouble in europe and they lo- just lost haiti uh yeah. and so he figured i might as well make some money of from it yeah, yeah. um and uh that that becomes jefferson's big big mark as president and it literally transforms the uh, our the physical nature of our country uh-huh. but but as far I but mean, i mean yeah so and, and, uh just a fun fact about that we didn't even have the money to pay that like to like we didn't have 20 million or 15 million dollars well jefferson, so we had to take out loans from banks in europe to pay for that it's jefferson's it's it's <laughs> totally against everything he believes in it's it's unconstitutional there's nothing in the constitution that says the president has the power to buy to make that kind of purchase without authorization. And he does it because he's just like, it's too good to pass up. Can't just and- put in a pool. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of the reasons the Federalists, the, he, he figures that he won't, it, it, it'll take too long and they'll lose the deal. But the Federalists, like Hamilton wanted to actually invade that territory. Like he just wanted Yeah, we're going to take it. You're gonna, we don't need I think to we- buy it. We can just fucking take it. But imagine 15, imagine like today, like coming up with 15. <laughs> we spend that like, Oh my god! Like uh, every uh, uh, two hours my in favorite, Afghanistan. One of my favorite quotes is, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, a billion here, a billion there." Uh, eventually, we're talking about real money. <laughs> um, but yes, but he, yeah. but yeah, what what America, his, and and it's I think because of him. I mean, had had Jefferson not purchased 
Louisiana. I mean, Mond- Monticello is probably worth if, they, if that was for sale, oh it'd be god. way more than fifteen. Oh my god, it's million dollars! Like, it's incalculable. I mean, it's it's still interesting. It's, I it's would still love privately that. owned. That'd be Monticello. the best. Someone like, could sell Monticello, I think. Oh, that'd be so great. Um, you want? Let's all get our money together and see. <laughs> make, just make them an offer. <laughs> Jay Z buys it. <laughs> Dude, that'd be that'd be so sweet. Oh god, uh, LeBron James just spends every penny he's ever earned and. He could probably get it, you know, maybe a hundred million. My, my good friend LeBron James. You're, yeah, Joe Barnes, good friend. LeBron. Yeah. LeBron James, if you're listening to this, uh, you're invited. I to appreciate. The and, I mean, Le, LeBron, I know you're listening. <laughs> we're very close friends, and uh, I, uh, He's I like, forgot. Joe, good luck on your podcast. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just looking at my phone now. Got that. That congratulations. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, he'll be able to come on the podcast. It's the off season now, so he's probably not so busy. Free. Yeah. We'll meet him in LA, I guess. Now. Yeah. But yeah, so Jefferson, he he was president for eight years. He retires to Monticello, and uh, his biggest accomplishment after that is the creation of the University of Virginia. I think one of the interesting things about if his one another interesting thing about Jefferson is the the epitaph on his uh, tombstone. Do yeah. you know the three things on it that would, no. So he's it, basically these are the three things he wanted to be known for. So it's a Jefferson. He uh, here lies Thomas Jefferson, the author of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom, and the uh, creator of the University of Virginia. Wow. Um, the religious freedom thing is, uh, we didn't talk about that, but one of his, uh, when he was in the yeah. uh, Virginia legislature, he was very instrumental in de-establishing uh, the state religion in Virginia. Yeah. And it started a precedent that basically uh, established the separation of church and state. Yeah. He, uh, so he's, uh, one thing I read about him, he went to Philip uh, when he was, uh, when he was at William & Mary, he went up to Philadelphia and then Boston. And while he was in Philadelphia, he actually had a smallpox vaccine, which was mm-hmm. crazy dangerous. Well, it's not, it's not a vaccine. It's an inoculation. Inoculation. Which is... A, a small dosage. Yeah, a small dosage. And it could kill people. It killed a lot of people. Um, but him, he was a huge proponent of it. He yeah. had a lot of his, his children and his uh, sl- a lot of his slaves inoculated. I mean, it was controversial at the time because there were religious people who believed that inoculation was uh, again like an act against God. So if God has given you this disease to like try to prevent that, uh-huh. it's blasphemous. Yeah, West Baptist, Westboro Baptist Church was getting it. Oh yeah, they were They're like no more inoculation. No more inoculation for smallpox. But yeah, so he he retires to Monticello. He, uh, I mean, he become he's the sage of Monticello. He kind of sits there and uh, he writes letters all day and checks on his plantation and continues to build Monticello and I think the thing about Monticello is interesting is he builds it and then he goes over to France and then learns all about Greek and or, uh, not Greek. Roman architecture Roman, yeah, yeah. and just uh, P- P- Palladium uh, the or P- Palladio I think his name the his style and then I mean that's the thing about Monticello it is a is a Roman yeah. like style yep. monument yeah. that someone is trying to live in yep. it's just insane um, but yeah, when he comes back, he basically just start almost doesn't tear it down, but basically is like all these plans, scrap those. We're gonna do this now, and cool. spends the rest of his, <laughs> the rest of his life going into debt to try to complete it, and he really never does. I think Monticello now is funny because it's so complete now, and it in his whole life it never was. It probably looks better now than it ever did in Jefferson. Well, that's a it's a, a metaphor for life, isn't it? I think so. And I think Jefferson is a metaphor for America. Uh, <laughs> if I had a, a concluding remark, I would say that. Uh, I, I believe, you know, Jefferson is a is a hard topic to grapple with because uh, his the his sensibilities, the things he believed, uh, particularly in regards to race and slavery and uh, other things, it's a little it's it's not what we want from our our heroes and our founders. We want them to be perfect men, I think. 
But I, I think the fact that he wrote the Declaration of Independence and said that all men are created equal and he owns slaves, yeah. I, I just think that is a perfect represent- representation for what America is. Something that we like this was uh for many of those men they thought this was the the la- the, the the last great hope for humanity sure uh that this we could cast off the shackles of the old world uh but i mean it wasn't that wasn't true at all really i mean we carried all of, all of their baggage and then created our own new yep. problems uh and we've been dealing with that ever since i mean we're still dealing with racism and inequality today sure. um but i mean yet we live in Probably the most democratic society um, ever. Yeah, which is it, it's weird. I mean, we're still still not there yet, <laughs> <laughs> but our, yeah, our house will not be completed while we are yeah. here. So <laughs> we have to enjoy. It. We got to find a good room that we like. Yeah, find a nice room. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jefferson. He, I mean, he stands out because he he just wrote. I mean, the thing is, we we don't have we don't have any videos of them. If Jefferson would not be a good politician today, sure, because he's not a good speaker. He, he's not charismatic, but because the written word, that's all we have of them. He stands out so much because he wrote better. So, and he wrote a lot. And he wrote a lot and he wrote things that appeal to us. Yep. Whereas things when Adams is writing very negative, cynical things um, yep. about the future of America. I mean, Jefferson Jefferson gives us something to believe in. Yep. Idealist, yeah. Is there anything else you want to cover? Or? No, I feel like that was good. I learned a lot about Jefferson. And uh, yeah, I think he was an exciting dude. And he was, he does represent, you know, what America is today. Uh, and just like the idea and it's kind of and that's why it feels so fake when you know someone comes up like there's a a, a modern day politician and they present themselves as perfect which is kind of what you are supposed to do yeah and that's why i think a lot of people liked uh you know donald trump was because he seemed like he didn't care about his uh apparent flaws but i mean i think those are the wrong apparent (laughs) flaws to have but yeah i mean (laughs) he he i think Trump creates the illusion that he's being honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. That he, I want, I want. How, how could someone say those things if he does, didn't really believe them? So at least he's being yeah, yeah. honest. I, I want the honesty that you that you are afraid. You know, whereas yeah, like no one, everyone, every politician uh, pretends like they're not afraid. I'm, I want, I want vulnerability. In yeah, my, in my <laughs> but people don't I want mean, that. They, 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 they don't want they that. Want, they want a strong but, uh, leader that they can sure look to in a time of crisis yeah, yeah but there is strength in, in vulnerability or being aware of i think that's great presidents have are oftentimes vulnerable depressed people at link i think lincoln lincoln oh yeah is quite obviously a depressed person particularly during his presidency um but he's still for many people is probably the greatest president um ever and uh i mean i think you could say the same thing i mean fdr what would his if he had not been paralyzed would that not would he still have become the politician that he did become because his his uh he grew up in that patrician class very yeah. wealthy and he became relatable to people and more humbled and down to earth because he yeah. because of his uh his disability so i don't know all right well thank you joe barton i'm uh, thank you, rob <laughs> thank you uh this is our first episode uh and uh, we appreciate you guys listening and we'll talk to you soon bye bye